This is episode 020, Simple, Soulful, Sacred, Motherhood and Womanhood with Megan Della Camina. Welcome, I'm your host, Clara Bade. One Woke Mama is a journey of awakening through the raw, sometimes painful, always beautiful and definitely messy ride that is motherhood. This is our journey in mind, body and soul towards consciousness. We seek clarity, we hunt down the truth, we dive into the discomfort of healing, uncovering shadows and rising out of them back into the new woman that we're meant to be. Through my personal brand of storytelling, musings, wisdom bombs and insights, we journey into motherhood, the catalyst if you so choose to become more conscious, aware and woke. I'm just one mama following the path to work, and I hope you choose to wake up with me too. Beautiful mama, thank you so much for joining me today for this incredible conversation with Megan Dalla Camina. This woman is one of those women that you sit up and pay attention to. She is a women's mentor an author, a founder, a speaker. She is a co-founder and CEO of Lead Like a Woman, the founder and creator of Sacred Living Co. And the recently published author, one of many books, her new book has just come out called Simple, Soulful, Sacred. And amongst all of that, her daily work centers around helping women to rise. So I had the pleasure of chatting to her on all things motherhood, womanhood, on sacred living, simple and soulful ways to show up in the world. And I know that this conversation is going to light you up. It'll spark ideas for how to show up and be in the world through your motherhood journey and so much more from that intentional, considered and beautifully simple space. We explore so many awesome things in this episode and I can't wait for you to dive into this from feminine empowerment to sovereignty to what motherhood has taught Megan specifically and how to invite in more sacredness and simplicity. So let's get straight into it. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation tonight. I'm really excited to chat with you after reading your incredible book, Simple, Soulful, Sacred, I know that I could probably talk to you for about four hours. So (laughs) I'm super excited to have this chat and to see where it takes us as we dive into motherhood and, of course, all things simple, soulful and sacred. Oh, me too, honey. I'm really excited to chat with you. Yeah, and as we were chatting just before we hit record, everything's going beautifully for your book and lots of gorgeous interviews which you've said you're really grateful for so well done on that and congratulations because it really is quite a spectacular book oh thank you that means just like my heart's so happy to hear that and yeah I've just been so um thankful for how beautifully it's been received and everything I had hoped when I was writing it is coming through you know for for the women who are reading it so yeah It's a special time. It is a really special book. And I think the world needs a lot of the messages that you've put through in that book. So I can't wait to dive into what that book offers and obviously what you offer into the world as well. And through the lens of motherhood, for those that are listening, perhaps not aware that you are a mother. How many children do you have, Megan? I have one, one 18-year-old boy. Oh, wow. And yes, big man, big man child (laughs) um and I've been a single parent for most of his life so um yeah it's been an interesting fascinating journey well I love it I love to speak to women who are mothers at all different stages you know you've got an 18 year old man child and I'm still in the trenches with two little children as many of my listeners are so I know I know that you're going to bring that beautiful perspective in for us which is awesome so let's dive straight in and Let me ask you this, when it comes to you and your motherhood journey, can you give me some understanding of what consciousness means to you through the lens of your motherhood journey? What awakening perhaps means to you through motherhood? 
So it's interesting looking back on on my journey across, you know, like 18 years, right? It's a long time. Many women listening with little kids won't even better imagine that far ahead. Mm. But certainly for the first, um, look, I would even say eight years of his life, I was, um, I was not certainly not at the level of consciousness that I reached, you know, when he got into his teenage years. And I think, you know, as a parent, I was a first time parent. I didn't have any, um, friends around me who had, you know, kids. And I was in this massive executive job, um, with a, you know, big global tech company. And when he was 18 months old, I got divorced. So for, for a lot of his, young life, I was in pure survival mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I was literally, how do I get through the day? And how how do I juggle being a single mom with this big executive job that I needed, you know, to, to pay for him and, you know, living and all the rest of it. Um, I was trying to do my first master's degree and like, I was just literally in that survival mode. And, you know, many people relate to that. I think as he got older and I you know, when he got into his teenage years, it got better. I had a major burnout in my mid-30s. And after that, I just continually started to wake, awaken mm. um, and develop greater levels of consciousness for, you know, myself, my womanhood, who I am, how I am in the world, how I parent. Um, and, like, that just can, just continue to increase and increase and increase. Uh, and I think I really hit my stride with him when he hit his teenage years and I was in my own business then, you know, not in the corporate world and that helped as well. So yeah, does that give you some sense? Mm, It totally does. And it's interesting that you've sort of had a, a situation that sort of pushed you into, you know, tapping into your version of consciousness and to start to awaken in your way and like you said, into your womanhood and your parenting that you actually had to have something like a burnout situation to get you to that point. And look, I think a lot of us do, right? Mm. Like I think a lot of us come to awakening through crisis. And like one of my, one of the points about my book is hopefully is that women can further grow into their consciousness and further awaken without having to have a crisis point in their lives and to hopefully come to it earlier and earlier. Um, but for me, you know, I was always very spiritual as a teenager. I was a very spiritual teenager and always into the books and the self-help, um, genres and frankincense and incense, all the things. Um, but when I hit the corporate world, when I was in my late uh, mid twenties, it just kind of all, you know, it, it kind of all got stamped out as I just got into that masculine drive, strive, achieve, succeed zone, which I was deeply in for a solid decade before I even sort of blinked. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. I've got a five year old. You better wake up. So yeah. I, I really like that story though, because I think for anyone listening, for me, the process of awakening is a journey, but it happens at different times mm. for everybody. It happened for me before I even gave birth. The process of awakening, I had my own, I guess, breakdown of sorts in my early 20s, but then it happened again after I gave birth to my first girl. I had a huge wake-up that actually set me into the depths of shadow and dark night of the soul. And I think that's really important mm. to note because it happens at different stages for everybody for when it's the right time for you. And I want to make that clear because I think some people think, oh, I feel really guilty that the first five years I was like this or for the first 10 years or I've even got mamas in my circle who are coming to this sort of journey 20 or 30 or 40 years into their parenting. And I think that that doesn't really matter. It's wherever you're at. Yeah, and look, we, we, we do the best we can, right? Like we do the best we can and – I, th- I think there's just so much self-compassion and forgiveness, self-forgiveness that we need as as mothers because we judge ourselves so harshly. I mean, I, I look back at his early years and I think, oh, my God, Megan, like, you know, like 
you, you, I, I could take the inner dialogue that, oh, you could have done better and, you know, you've ruined him for life and, and all the things. Um, but I knew he was taken care of. Mm. You know, I knew he was, he was being nurtured and loved and all of his needs were met and I was doing the very best that I could do. Um, and I look, look at him now as this 18-year-old beautiful human Mm. You know, just beautiful, mm. balanced, well, caring, empathetic, nurturing, but still big guy rugby player. <laughs> um, and I think, gosh, you, like you can forgive anything that you think was a shortcoming because, like, you did okay, you know. That's a beautiful message. And I think we, we all need that. Like we all need that from birth, from conception, all the way through. Mm. I love that. Mm. So for you personally then, can you give us a couple of key lessons that motherhood has delivered you? What are some awakenings that you experienced? You know, I, I've got pivotal moments in my story that immediately pop into my mind. So I'm wondering what those are for you. You're 18 years in and I'm only four and a half years in, so I'm sure your experiences <laughs> cover a whole lot more than mine have so far. In his journey or my journey or? Yeah, in your journey. I guess your journey is, is, from a mother perspective, is entwined with him. But for you, what are the moments of, oh, wow, light bulb just went on that you've had that stand out for you? Mm. How long have we got? Um, <laughs> 18 years. Five <laughs> hours, exactly, exactly. Um, oh, it's fascinating. I think um, when when his father and I separated, pivotal moment, mm. you know, of oh here's this here's this baby, <laughs> and here's me, um, and everything that's in the mix of that, and like holy shit, okay, like let's try and get through this alive. Um, I think the transition points are always really interesting, like starting school, like the first day of kindy, you know, starting school, um, when there are any challenges in, you know, whether it's learning or friends or social things, um, like I look at those moments, those transition points as really big pivotal moments. Mm you know, in the journey, um, high school, you know, um, and then coming all the way through HSC. Yeah. Wow. And, and getting ready. Yeah, I know. Right. Like you can't even contemplate, um, when they're so little, but like it goes so fast and you look at those, those pivotal points, the transition points, the life moments. And sometimes those, those life moments, are the tiny little moments. Like I remember one, he would have been about four years old and uh, we used to meditate together when he was little and just coming in even amongst all the craziness and we'd have this like three minutes at night before he'd go to bed and I'd collapse. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we'd have like this little moment in our in our yoga room of put the music on, like the ritual, put the music on, light the incense, put the yogi blanket on and put, you know, listen to that music for meditation for three minutes, like moments like that. Mm. Um, yeah, like they're the ones that really sit in my heart. That's a beautiful memory. Mm. And I'm sure I'm just thinking as you're talking as well, as talking as well. the moment where you obviously left your massive executive position in this corporate world and transitioned into the mm. world and the, the career and the life that you've obviously created now that must have been a huge shift to move from this masculine energy and this go 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 and obviously getting through motherhood within all of that that must have been quite a huge shift for you as a woman for a mother but also how that rippled to your child and how that affected him as well Mm. Yeah, that was a big moment and a big moment that happened before that was after my burnout. So, you know, my burnout, um, it was very, it was very, it was quite serious and I'd come back from a trip to New York, walked into my CEO's office and just said, I'm done, like I'm done. 
you know, I'm working all the hours, I'm doing all the things, I'm doing three jobs for you, you know, like I'm done. And I was, and I gave up that job. I was head of marketing for, for a massive, you know, tech company and changed my role, took two months off, changed my role, came back in a head of strategy role part-time. Mm. And so from that point, um, and that's where my my real awakening started of, okay, how do we actually be in the world differently? Mm. You know, we meaning me, all the women that I was supporting in, in, in the corporate world and just everyone, like all of us, how do we change this paradigm? So, like, I think from there, because I was working four days a week, I was trying to do as much as I could from home, and I had <clears throat> got some emotional distance from this big career, like, that was that was a huge change and shift, and me starting to come out of that masculine, mm. you know, and, and starting to work out. So, when I did my Master's of Wellness and Positive Psychology degree, it's when I did my yoga teacher training. Um, so that was a massive shift. So by the time I stepped out, which was seven years later, I was sort of halfway there, um, halfway for him because, you know, I had more flexibility halfway for me because I started to figure a lot of things out. I'd written my first book, you know, all of these things. And then yes, that, that sense of just freedom, you know, of that complete control of schedule and how I wanted to work, how I wanted to be in the world, how I could parent, how I could be with him. Um, yeah, absolute, absolute mm. change, position, pivotal moment and further awakening. I love it. You know, I, I coach a lot of women who have just become mothers and some of these women come to me before they've actually given birth and one of their biggest fears is how do I do this in this masculine world that I'm in and that I've bought into and that I've chosen to be part of and that I love, mm. you know, this corporate life that I've got, mm. this, you know, high-powered position that I've cultivated and carefully curated for the last 10 years of my life. And I'm scared because, and this is what I hear when they're talking to me, there is this inner voice starting to whisper to them that that energy space that they're in, that masculine energy space, is not conducive to motherhood for a period of time for them, not forever, but for a period mm. of time, and that they can feel this feminine tug. So I'd love to hear from you, how can we encourage other women who are used to being in that masculine space and now in motherhood, at whatever stage of motherhood, and they're used to that type A way of living and functioning and taking action and being in the world, how can we encourage them to be in that more feminine space and to listen to their soul and to know that they can actually still have this beautiful existence on their terms in a completely different way. How do we support that? Mm. Mm. So I created a company called Lead Like a Woman for exactly that reason. Mm. So the, the my book before this book was called Lead Like a is called Lead Like a Woman. And when I came out of corporate, the first thing I did was co-create that program, that paradigm shift for exactly that reason. And not just for women who are mothers, but for women, for, for all women, mm. um, all women identified uh, or men who, you know, lean more towards their feminine traits to really start this conversation around how do we step out of the patriarchy? How do we identify that there is a different way to be in the world, including in organisations, and that that involves understanding that we have feminine traits and energy, we have masculine traits and energy. All we've ever seen in certainly a corporate um, context is a masculine model of success. And so many women get to that point and into senior roles and just go like, I'm done. Like mm. I, the, I write, I write in simple soulful sacred about the feminine betrayal mm. and that's exactly what it is. And we can push it and numb it and push it and numb it and distract ourselves from it and tell ourselves all of the stories about it. But at some point for most women, 
we get to that point where we feel that deep sense of betrayal of our feminine essence. Yes. So um, in terms of what do you do about that, the, the first step I think is this awareness of like where, where am I, where am I at? You know, am I deeply in my masculine? Am I no, like, is my feminine sort of dying on the vine over here? Do I have some balance? And I just need to learn how to switch my feminine on when I come home. Mm. Like, where are you in the, on the scale? Um, I think that's a really great uh, awareness exercise to figure out where you're at and to look at, like, what would ideal look like for you? You know, which feminine traits do you need to bring in? How, how much of your feminine energy um, do, you, do you want to bring in? And what does that look and feel like for you? You know, for, for some people that is, um, you know, wearing feminine colors and it's doing their hair and wearing lipstick and it's very much about an aesthetic. For other women, it's about rose oil over their heart center and it's about you know lighting incense or making tea or having a bath um for some it's about you know intimate relationships like what where does the feminine play for you mm. for a lot of women it comes it, it comes out in mothering but not always you know if we're really deeply in that masculine it can be so hard and this is where i was at to turn that off mm. And to come into that feminine space, so I think looking at like what are the tools, what are the what are the entry points for each individual woman, and I write so much about this in the book, mm. so that you have tools, and they can be really small tools because you know all mamas are busy. They can be small. It can just sometimes it's just an affirmation. Sometimes it's a two-minute meditation, um, but what are those things that will be an entry point, a gateway, a lever for you to come home, to come back to that feminine, irrespective of the environment you find yourself in? Mm. I love that. The awareness piece is really key, you know, at the beginning of all of that, where am I in all of this? Where is my feminine in all of this? And just simply becoming aware of when you are in your masculine versus your feminine. I think that's a really awesome beginning point that you mentioned. Mm. And, you know, I was just thinking about the other comment you made about the masculine energy within motherhood. And it's interesting because there are many points throughout my day where I have to call in the masculine, you know, like yeah. I got to do all the laundry and I've got to do all the dishes and cook the meals and be in the kitchen 17,000 freaking times in one day. <laughs> And I also have to do my work and step into a more feminine space when I'm there. And I have to connect with my husband, which requires me to come from a more feminine space. But to Mm. switch in and out throughout the day, that is challenging because the adrenaline and the action and the go, 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 that's in my head and that's easy. That's easy to go in there. So I really like that you highlighted that because – for so many of us, we enter motherhood maybe thinking it's going to be different, but actually it's just as masculine or structured or action-focused than our life was before children. So I love the suggestions mm-hmm. that you've made because for me, bringing the feminine in on a daily basis is about being deliberate and intentional with, okay, so I am going to go have a hot shower on my own once the kids are asleep and I am going to do a face mask and I am going to yes. spend... 20 minutes in silence and adorning myself in some way and then I'm going to talk to my husband and I'm going to make sure I come to him from my body and not from my head and I'm going to meditate each day no matter what when the kids are asleep that's what I'm going to do and I'm going to drop into stillness I have to be intentional with it because if I'm not the masculine reigns supreme because it's the get shit done energy Yes. And I think I was having this conversation earlier today and I like, that's exactly what it is. And, um, like there is, there's another chapter in the book called there is no there, there, Mm. you know, like we don't, I, I don't think we ever arrive at a place where those things don't need to be intentional, you know, where we don't need to intentionally be aware of where am I in my energies? you know, which traits am I leading with? And 
plan, like, okay, I need to go and have a shower and come into that feminine, you know, and, and make these intentional choices because they are choices. And it's what us, yeah, it's what keeps us, you know, in whatever semblance of balance we want, you know, in that space around feminine and masculine. I so, think that's yeah, a really good that. reminder, a really good reminder because the masculine is our entire culture, our entire society, and it's automatic pilot for all of us. But the feminine is slowly rising within all of us and we're owning yes. it more, but we do have to be intentional with it. And I think you're 100% right. It's not going to be this experience, at least in our lifetime, where it is the overriding energy. And actually we're trying to call in balance, aren't we, of both of them instead of one overpowering the other. So I really like that you said that. It's a good reminder for me too. Mm. So when we're talking about being in our feminine energy and kind of embracing our sovereignty and our queendom, I guess, a lot of mothers are like, yeah, please, Claire, I'm covered in avocado and snot. <laughs> and, and you know, I second that. There's not, not, not a lot of, yep. you know, it's not very queenly sometimes in the in the early years in the trenches and it can sometimes feel sometimes it frequently feels relentless and challenging and intense and hard Mm. but at the same time we're raising human beings who are going to partake in this world in a very massive way and to me that is in itself sovereign behavior because we're responsible for the conscious people that are going to shape this world in some way. But how can we feel more sovereign in motherhood? And I use the word feel specifically here because it is a feeling state for me. How, how, what would you tell the mothers listening right now who, who are queens but don't know it and don't feel it? How can we get them to feel that more? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> With the avocado and the snot all over them. <laughs> I, I just like I just remember I just remember like it's just you know it's like embedded in my heart in my mm. psyche all of it. I wish someone had said to I wish I wish a few things for those especially for those early years of of motherhood. I wish someone had um, shown me the tools. Mm. You know, like I wish someone had given me the tools that I could use in the moments in between the things because that's often all you've got that would help bring me back to myself, help me continue to raise my level of consciousness and vibration to help me to stay awake or wake up more rather than just sort of sleepwalk on the treadmill through the whole thing Mm. because I was trying to cope, right? And that's why I'm just so big on the little, the little tools, you know, the little things and the little moments and the spaces in between. Um, and what are your favourite tools? What are some of those that you love? Yeah, so a 30-second to two-minute little meditation, mm. which is as simple as coming back to your breath, very consciously, very intentionally. Um, putting on an essential oil. Uh, picking up some mala beads getting a cutting a flower out of the garden Mm. watering the garden making a pot of tea with loose leaves you know Mm. and that's that whole beautiful ritual which can literally take 20 seconds you know but is a really beautiful mindful moment anything that brings you into or or saying an affirmation reading an affirmation Mm. um, which is why there's an affirmation at the bottom of every single chapter in the book um, opening up a book and reading three lines because sometimes that's all it takes to bring you back. Yeah. You know, these, these, these small, small, small steps, these tiny little actions that we think, oh, is it really going to make a difference, can make the world of difference, especially if you are just right in it, mm. you know, and you just need, um, you just need that moment, that remembrance, that sanity <laughs> totally and, and they, totally they build up yes and they, they oh, no i was just thinking about the name of your book they're simple they're soulful they're sacred and they yeah. add up by the end of the day you you may have done 15 to 20 30 second things that have connected you back to 
you. I mean, one of my favorite practices is breathe, Claire. I say it in my head and I take a deep yeah. breath. And then yes. I say, and feel your feet on the ground. I say this all in my head and I do it sometimes while my daughter is like asking 20 questions to my face and yeah. the other one is screaming in my ear and it's just breathe, Claire. And instantly I'm back in my body. Yes. And I love all the suggestions that you made, the making a pot of tea. I have this ritual every morning. I make a hot cacao with mm. mushrooms and honey and coconut milk. And mm -hmm. even if we're busy, I put it in a cute cup and I take it with me. And my daughter said to me the other day, Mommy, why do you always make your hot chocolate? And I thought that the phrasing of the sentence made me giggle. And I turned to her and I said, because I love it and it makes me feel special. That even if I'm walking down the street and I'm pushing a pram and I'm really tired, I have this thing in my hand that I made for me. Yeah. And she said yeah. to me, does it fill up your love bucket? Oh. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it does. It does. And she oh, said, what about a hug? You. Would a hug fill up your, my, your, your love bucket? I said, yes, it would. And I just love that she was aware and I was able to mm. explain it and then that was able to add more intention for me onto that hot chocolate. Yeah. And I wanted to I say just, that, intention. Yeah. It's back to that, yeah. isn't it? Everything you suggested is you still have to do it with intention. It is. And, like, I think um, I think the other thing in there that's really powerful is, like, what is it for you? Mm. You know, like I know for me beauty is one of my big things. Um, and so is connection to the sacred. So, you know, if you were sitting in my space now, I'm sitting at my desk, I've got, um, you know, statues of Ganesha and I've got um, crystals and I have essential oils and I have Florida water, cleansing water, I have Palo Santo. I've got my diffuser. You know, I have, I have a little offering of flowers um, because for me those things – keep me conscious they they're a they're an anchor point um they're a moment of beauty which fills up my love bucket you know like it gives me that moment of joy so i think for any mamas listening i would say like i would ask what what gives you those moments of joy mm. like what is it and how do you surround yourself as much as possible with those things so that even if you're right in the thick of it you can just out of the corner of your eye catch the little flower that's in a vase or you can catch a crystal or whatever it is. You don't need to be into crystals, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because that in that moment will give you a spark of joy. Um, and so and true. those are the things that, yeah, they, they just make such a difference. It's just little simple practices, but I think a lot of people – uh, not not disregard them, but maybe fluff them off and say it's not, you know, it's not really that tangible or it doesn't really have that much of an effect. But when you're in the motherhood trenches and you don't have the time to do the hour-long meditation and go to the tantra workshop and, you know, stand on your head for 45 minutes like you used to in a yoga class, those little moments catching that vase of red roses or smelling that new essential oil in your diffuser you are 100% mm. right. They're simple, but they connect you back to this moment. For me, they connect me back instantly to this moment of, oh, yeah, I'm me. Yes. Yeah, I'm still me. I'm still Claire. I'm not just motherhood. I'm not just in mothering. Although that's adding to my feminine sovereignty, it's not yes. just about that. And it just sparks yeah, something. You're right. Yes. yes. And, you know, I mean – being a sovereign woman is being a woman unto ourselves, mm. you know, and that's, you know, this whole exploration of sovereignty, which is the last part of the book, is, is, is how do we become women unto ourselves? And we can have, we might have a babe at the boob, but we, we can still be a sovereign woman. Mm. And that remembrance of I am who I am and these things remind me of that or bring me back to that or fill me up so I can be that. Yeah, mm. like it's just so important. I wish I'd had that when I was in the in the baby and young year trenches. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's really powerful actually thinking about it from that perspective. I was just thinking mm. before about little things make me feel a woman unto myself and you just said it. I don't have that much capacity 
for work right now and that's a choice that we've made as a family that I would be at home with the kids predominantly for the first few years. So people often say to me, why are you doing your podcast and why do you still coach a few people and why are you making that program? You don't have time. The reality is I do have time because I make the time for things that I love. But the reason I make the time for things that I love is because they connect me back to feeling like the woman that I really am outside of that. And then that feeds back into the, the experience of motherhood. It adds more value to my motherhood journey because I'm connected back to me again. Yes, absolutely. So important. And that sense of self-agency as well. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. When you said self-agency and you said something else before as well, it reminds me of uh, a lot of mothers listening will listen and probably resonate with this. I have a 15-month-old but still breastfed and he thinks that my boobs are his. So when he's <laughs> feeding, the other one gets pulled on and tweaked at and tugged at and I'm not okay with that. And I've had yeah. to start saying to him, gently pushing his hand away and the words that I use are that's my body and I'm not okay with that Mm. and I did that once at the park and I saw this woman a very attachment focused parent look at me and she said oh wow I just let my kid go for it and I said okay that's great if that feels good for you I said but this feels like it's crossing a boundary for me yeah yeah that to me as well is an example of a woman unto herself that I can Absolutely. still be a mother and own my own body. <laughs> yeah, and look, the, I mean, oh, we have a whole conversation around this. No. Th- those boundaries <clears throat> and and honouring yourself as a as a mother, irrespective of if, if of if it's that or something else, is so so important. And it's so important as they get older mm. that that we respect ourselves, we hold ourselves as sacred women, as sovereign women, and that we teach them to do the same for our daughters and especially for our sons. Yes. You know, that, oh, like, we go off on a tangent. Like, that is so important. It's so powerful what you just shared because, um, like, it's a game changer, you know, for, for our lives as women and for for our lives in for our roles in their lives it does feel like a game changer because it feels different to what I did with my first as well and it feels you know with my first I'm probably I I probably didn't like it then either but maybe I just you know I'll grin and bear it because my job is to nurture her and nourish her and give her everything that she needs and I will bend over backwards to give her whatever she needs at the sacrifice and expense of me Whereas yes. this time, second time around, I'm much clearer that uh, they're full, literally and figuratively, figuratively, if I am clearer with who I am and stronger in my yeah. boundaries and more powerful in my energy and that yes. comes from owning myself. So it does feel very different and it feels... It feels sovereign. It feels queenly. It feels like I am here to nurture you, but I still own me. And yes. that develops a level of respect that's separate from that mother-babe energy. There's something else I feel that's being created there. Yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's, and it's it, like it's just so important, right? Mm-hmm. And as, as your kids get older, you will really, like that will really come home for you, Mm. you know, Um, which doesn't mean if you're an attachment, if you're doing attachment parenting that that won't come home for you as well, right? Mm. Like we all, you know, we all do our, we all parent in the way that we think that, you know, is best for us and for our children. Um, But irrespective of your parenting style, the boundaries um, and that self-respect, um you know, we respect them, they respect us, we respect ourselves, yeah, like that will really set you up mm. for, for beautiful relationships, I think, down the track. And, you know, Megan, it's not lost to me that this is happening with my son and didn't happen with my daughter. Yes. It's interesting to me because with my daughter, I, I the whole conversation about the feminine rising and stepping more into sovereignty was a very distant conversation for me. You know, I probably just labeled mm. myself as a feminist at that point. Whereas from her birth to now, there's been a huge shift within me. And I feel 
it's funny that it's coming through now with him, him touching my body and me being very clear that I am here to be of service to you on my terms. I yes. deeply respect you, and I'm more referencing now the masculine and the patriarchy. I deeply respect you and I need you and I desire you and I appreciate you, mm. but I'm shifting I'm shifting the energy yes. here. I'm shifting the control. I'm shifting something. I'm not going to wait to receive permission. I'm taking ownership here and driving driving this bus from now on. So it's interesting mm. to me it's happening with my son. Absolutely. And you've just so beautifully articulated the shift to the feminine mm. that we're seeing in society and in the culture and in the narrative and in leadership. Um so beautifully, right? It's exactly the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Thank you. So for the women that are listening, the mamas that are listening, and they're starting to feel this stirring, you know, that they're on one side feeling ready to surrender into that feminine energy, maybe via their mothering or something else, and starting to maybe think about changing their relationship to the masculine or to the patriarchy. How do we... In, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not something you can just flick a switch on, right? It's a, it's a, it's a gentle shift. <laughs> but how do we encourage it and how do we support it and how do we help women who are feeling that that transition's coming but, you know, you can't go hunt it down and say, okay, no. today, this is what I do, done. Let's hunt down the feminine with our masculine. <laughs> um, <laughs> some people might approach it like that. Mm. Um yeah, look, it's such a great question. I, I think to start with self and claiming claiming themselves as sacred and a beautiful way to start with that is with some beautiful, deep, nurturing, sacred self-care. Mm. So if we look at how would I turn my nurturing feminine self onto myself, like what would I do? If I was a sacred woman, if I really thought of myself as sacred, meaning whatever sacred means to you, but meaning like really um, important, yeah, mm. then what would I do for myself right now? You know, how would I take care of myself in the, in the moments that I have? And I think that that is a really beautiful pathway into this landscape. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. For, for, for women. Because it doesn't always need to come from, sure, we might think as, as a mother, well, if I nurture my child, then that's going to bring out the feminine in me. But not always, right? Mm. So starting with ourselves, starting small, coming back to those daily reminders um, the reason I wrote the book in short chapter format was so that you could pick it up and read something in, you know, two minutes and, and have that be something that brings you back to yourself. Mm. Um, and look at what, what is your definition of feminine? What is your definition of sacred? And what would you like that to look like for you? Mm, beautiful. You know, like what, what would feel good for you? in the time that is available to you all the time that you can make available to you if that was important so what i'm really hearing is mother yourself so so do what you do to your children but turn it inward and mother yourself nurture yourself you're we're always yeah. asking how do i mother this child today in the way that he or she best needs it what do they need today emotionally mentally physically spiritually yes let's ask yes. the same questions for ourselves yes and let's start there mm. not finish like, let's there ask that, let's ask that first mm. like that's a radical act right is, like yes. ourselves first and let's have that two minutes in the morning before we're looking after everybody else for myself first yes you know, um, let's let let's start there. One of my favorite because, things to do is yeah. to carve out even just ten minutes, and even if it's just a quick tapping session or a five minute meditation. Yeah, 
even if I'm half awake and I still have sleep stuck in my eyes because it's been a mental yep. night, it's like I'm, I'm still going to sit up on this pillow and just do 10 minutes so that when they call me and I walk into their room, the space that I'm coming from is completely different. Yeah. I love yeah. that. And you've taken care of yourself. Mm. You know, you've taken care of yourself in the moments that you had. So good. Thank you so much. Mm. Lots to think about. Thank you. Simple, soulful. Beautiful conversation. Oh, thank you, honey. And your book, beautiful, simple, soulful, sacred. And everyone listening, please get your hands on this book because you can just dip into it like I have been for the last two to three weeks and there will be something there for you chapter at a time. You can start at the back of the book if you want and then the middle and then the top, wherever. And there are some beautiful suggestions of practices and affirmations and so many little golden nuggets. Megan, it's such a gorgeous book, so thank you. Thank so, you, honey. You no problem. Before I leave you, I'd just uh, like to ask you two very quick questions. Mm. So when it comes to what you're currently working on from a consciousness perspective or becoming more woke, where are you at with that? What's going on for you at the moment? Yeah, so I'm really working very deeply on my morning sadhana practice, which mm -hmm. is my um, uh, self-discipline practice in yogic terms, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, getting up at 5.15, doing my uh, kundalini yoga kriyas with my teacher and then doing my, my 20 minutes of meditation, which I do twice a day. So I'm really working on that deep spiritual practice Mm. Um, and consistency, 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 because I find for me um, that that is uh, like a really big anchor for me for my conscious awareness mm. and for me to be awake, yeah. So it, that that part of my day starts, you know, makes everything else work. Oh, I long I long for the days where I can get up at 5 15 a.m in the morning and do a practice like that again yes. and I haven't I just been awake <laughs> yes I two know. And three I four oh, all the mother, all the mamas with young kids are like my girlfriends are just going oh we hate you right now oh no I can't but, wait um, I, it gives me hope knowing that one day I'll have an 18 year old man child and yeah it's a, it's a gift now that I can really, I mean, especially being a single parent all, all the time, you know, it, like I never had, it was like literally get up, do the things, you know, and then just be in that rush zone. So whilst I really don't love getting up at 5.15 in the morning, like it's such a privilege to have that space. Mm, so that, beautiful time. yeah, that's, I'm just, um, I'm loving that space now. Yeah. Well, I wish you well for that consistency and I know that it's not an easy thing to do but it's clearly going to have its payoffs. It can only be a good thing. So yes. my last <laughs> question for you, what are you most grateful for that motherhood has delivered you besides your beautiful boy, of course? Mm. Um. Oh, I'm just thinking of there's such a big smile on my face. Um, oh, there's just so many things. Look, I, I just just love, right? Like love is um, love is like my core value. You know, if you go onto my website, it says love, wisdom, and tools for rising. Like that is what that that's what I'm here to do in the world. And he has like motherhood has shown me that. Um, and it sounds so obvious, but it's not always obvious, you know, that to to be able to live from that place um, as opposed to it being something that you express in certain moments. Um, so, yeah, just love and that just heart-breaking, open joy that I think, I don't know, really where else do you get it than parenthood? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, wow. I don't, I don't know, wow. you know. And I think that that is just such a, like it's just the gift of my, it's the gift of my life, you know. It's the, it's the gift of my life. It is my heart. So, yeah. 
I can really feel that. I don't know if that, that answers your question. It does. I can really yeah. feel that when you're saying it. Yeah. I yeah. just, I still look at him sometimes and I go, like, who are you? Where did you come from? But thank you. Because, um, yeah, it's just joy. And it's not always joy. We all know that. <laughs> Wait till they get to be teenagers. Um, but it's just joy, you know, and it's just love. So, like, what else is there? Oh, so good. What a beautiful way to end this delicious conversation. Thank you so much, <laughs> Megan. What an honor to chat to you and a privilege to read your book. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your simple and soulful and sacred wisdom with all of us. Thanks, honey. And thank you for the work that you're doing. These are such important conversations for mummers and anyone mummers listening. So thank you so much for doing this work. Thank you, Megan. What did you think, beautiful mama? Isn't Megan just... She's special. We're all special. But it's nice to meet other special people too. And I hope that my conversation with Megan today gave you some ideas and some different thoughts around your sovereignty, around your womanhood, around stepping into your feminine power and around living that simplicity that we all crave and that sacredness that we all need. I hope that you will explore Megan's work more and get your hands on her book. You can get all the links to everything you need from the show notes at claireobeyed.com slash episode 020. Thank you, beautiful, for being here. Thank you for being on this journey with me. And as always, I am just one mama on the path to woke. And I hope you choose to wake up with me too.